I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. If you need help building your online presence with podcasts, live streams or recorded video, see how I could help at educationonfire.com forward slash media. That's educationonfire.com forward slash media. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And I just want to shout out to those people that have been rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. It's been fantastic to read what you've been writing. It's fantastic to get five-star reviews and it really does help us share our message with the world. So yeah, thank you so much indeed for doing that. Now today I'm delighted to be joined by Louise Fettigan and she's the founder of Little Troopers. Little Troopers is a registered charity supporting service children who have parents serving in the British Armed Forces, regular or reserve. These children often face unique challenges including frequent house and school moves as well as regular periods of separation from their serving parents for varying lengths of time due to exercises, training, operations and other service commitments. As a charity, Little Troopers ensures that British Armed Forces children and their families have access to child-focused support wherever they are in the world and whatever community they live in. They provide fundamental resources and initiatives to help ease repeated separation periods and keep parent and child connected even when miles apart. They are the only charity in the UK dedicated to celebrating how special all our Little Troopers out there really are. Now, you can find out more about Little Troopers by going to littletroopers.net and I urge you to do this, especially if you're listening to this in the latter part of 2023. They are looking for donations to help support military children Christmas Smiles 2023 boxes. So please do go and look at the website littletroopers.net. I'm sure you can appreciate this is a wonderful charity which is making such a difference with so many children's lives. So I really hope you enjoy my chat with Louise about Little Troopers. Hi Louise, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. I know this conversation has been a long time coming. We've been in communication for a while, so I'm really pleased we've managed to kind of to make this happen because it's such an important topic. And, and I certainly know people that um, I'm involved with, with with my teaching, which this would uh, affect as well. So yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So why don't you start off, Little Troopers, just give us the the idea of it in a nutshell and then and sort of then some backstory in terms of your involvement and how it sort of came to fruition. Yeah, sure. So Little Troopers is a registered charity um, and as a charity we are now 12 years old and we support all children with one or both parents serving in the British Armed Forces, so regular or reserve British Armed Forces um, and we support them with the unique challenges that they face because they're part of a military family. Um, 
I joined the military myself as a teenager. Um, my husband is just about to finish a 24-year career in the military. Um, and our daughter is 20 now, so she is at university and has was a military child her entire life. So it's, it's a cause really dear to my heart, and I founded the charity out of personal experience. Um, my daughter really needed support, and there wasn't anything out there specifically for military children. So that's how we came to be, and organically over the last 12 years, we've grown to what we are as a charity today. So take me into that experience, like you say, with your own child. You sort of said that there wasn't anything out there. And I, and I guess for many people, maybe having your mum or your dad at home, even if they with their experience, the military is different than having an external person that you can share your concerns with or, or, or have that sort of friendly piece of advice. I guess that, that's the important factor. Military life is very different. Um, I wasn't myself from a military family. Um, <clears throat> I just decided to join the military as a teenager. My husband was from a military family, but it's a very different way of life, one that I didn't know much about before I got involved. And then I got married and had children, and um, I suddenly realised the impact that my career choice was having on others, namely my child. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, anybody who sees their child struggling wants to do what they can to support them and I could absolutely see that she needed support and I felt I needed to be empowered to help her um as I say she's 20 so she was seven when I founded the charity and that was at the height of Afghanistan my husband's been to the Afghanistan war four times he's been to the Iraq war twice um as a family we've definitely experienced um someone we love going to conflict um I myself served so we were both serving whilst she was a child and as you say you know I just was looking for resources to support her and it just didn't exist it wasn't out there you know age appropriate military specific tangible resources that I could easily access to help me support my child through the life she was living I wasn't a military child um so I didn't know exactly what she was going through I could only want to help her as best I could as a mother um <clears throat> so I think what we've now created is a toolbox for everybody to gain support and um, now that's schools that's military families at home that's you know healthcare professionals um but it was born out of a personal need from myself and take us in into those resources sort of in terms of what you cover and but also then sort of how it's accessed and how you sort of interact with it all yeah of course so there's there's estimated to be over a hundred thousand military children you know it's not a it's not a niche community that's quite a large number of children that are associated to the military and we have so many resources that can support so we have an at home area which is about empowering military families to support through moving home, moving school, long periods of separation, um, because, you know, military personnel do go away from home and it is often for long periods of time and often communication is limited and sporadic. So 
<clears throat> those challenges do really need support. So we have at home, um, and I guess the most important thing that your listeners will want to hear about is our Little Troopers at School project. Um, and that is now five years old, and it really is about supporting military children in education and educating the educator. So really helping educators understand what the unique challenges are that military children may be facing. We can't have this assumption that every teacher, every head, every school has got military experience because that really isn't the case. So it's about us educating about what those um, challenges look like. And then as a charity, we have created a huge portfolio of tangible resources that have already been created for you to use um, in your settings as and when you have military children. And they are far reaching. We've got primary school resource packs that's full of lesson plans and circle time scenarios and role plays. Um, we've got our primary school wellbeing course template. Um, we've got books for school libraries. We've got everything for you to create a little troopers club in your school you know, right the way up to leadership guidance and governor checklists. You know, we have created all the tools that you need um, should you have military children in your setting now or should you welcome military children into your setting in the future. And I guess that's a key thing, isn't it? If you know there's the opportunity or the possibility that someone's going to be coming into your setting, you then have the chance to get yourself ready, like you say, both in terms of knowledge, but also having those resources to hand as you as you come yeah, through. Yeah, absolutely. Over half of the state schools in the UK have military children within them. So if you don't already have military children, it's definitely something that you could be looking at in the future to be welcoming onto role. And... Is this all sort of stuff which you can download and you can use in that way or is there sort of any sort of one-to-one or, or online interaction as well? Yeah, so predominantly it's um, downloadable resources or things we send in the post. A lot of it is on USB sticks. So you go onto our website, you apply and we send it out in the post to you and then you can easily um, print that off at school Um we have Little Troopers Gazette, which is our newspaper, free um, for schools. Um, postage is free as well. It's fully funded and that's a physical newspaper written by military children for military children. And schools have a real heavy impact on that. So we accept lots of articles from schools. So that's sent in the post. We've got our early years outfit. So um, something we really... Um, sort of listened to was that lots of schools didn't have military representation in their role play areas just because those outfits didn't exist um, and obviously they didn't want any weapons to be represented or anything like that that's really a conversation that we have a lot of the time about representing the military in an inclusive but responsible way um, so we have um, role play bundles of outfits which you know obviously is army RAF and navy We've got a podcast, we've got additional needs, resources, but a lot of them are available to just go to our website, click on at school, and then, you know, your whole toolbox of resources is there for you to explore, download, utilise as and when you like. And I think for me, we often speak on the show about community and I can see how, for example, if we take the, the newspaper as an example, it's that kind of 
you feel isolated because you're the one of a, maybe a, on your own or maybe a few people within the school and you, like you say you're then in a different situation than others but then you suddenly realize but you're also part of a larger community which maybe you're not in the same physical space but actually you have something in common which you can like say you can learn from you can share you can you can be part of that which i guess fills each child with a little bit of confidence in terms of there are plenty of people like me absolutely that I, I can identify with absolutely our values as a charity are inclusion recognition and celebration and that is definitely part of what we're trying to do raising awareness of the unique challenges but also really working with schools to give military children a voice um you know really recognize it you know represent the military children in your education setting that's so important because they often do feel you know forgotten and you know because they don't always present different behaviors in school um they you may have a child that's presenting very normally but then a parent goes away on a submarine with absolutely no communication at all. And you see a real change in this child in the classroom, but you just don't know why that is. Um, so we always say communication is really, really key um, with your military families. You know, pop something in the newsletter, really let them know that you're welcoming that communication in. You know, do tell us if your child's got a parent going away for a long time. Do tell us if you're moving soon so we can really prepare that transition. And, you know, just really advocate that you want communication so that you can, you know, support the military children in the setting as best you can it's it's very rare to have a high percentage of military children in a school unless it's a school you know very near a base or something you know often we're working with schools and we've got over a thousand schools now signed up to the little troopers at school project but very often those schools have you know a handful of military children in them um and we help them to create their little troopers club we supply all the resources for the clubs that might only be once a month but as you say it's giving those children a space once a month to be with others that they may not know but are absolutely living the same life as them and it really is about personalized learning isn't it and sometimes that can be based on where you live it can be based on personality it can be based on anything and i think what that does is it, it gives you both sides of the coin it's kind of you're unique in your particular circumstances and the reason other people may not understand that is because they've not come across it either so as soon as that interaction starts to like you say come together with the communication and the opportunity to say this is who we all are whatever our circumstances backgrounds ethnicity whatever that happens to be then it all just becomes we're all individual people and i think that barrier then suddenly opens up a whole new world of, of, of certainly the environment within the school which can only be a positive move forward yeah, absolutely. And military children have got so much to share. You know, their experiences um, are so interesting a lot of the time. Often they've lived abroad or they've lived in a lot of different spaces. You know, my child went to nine different schools. They have qualities that are really interesting. So we do always advocate that schools, you know, encourage military children to talk about their life. I mean, never ask a military child where they're from when they join a school. That's definitely not the question they want to be asked because they'll look at you blankly and be like, well, I was born in Germany and then I moved to Cyprus and then I moved here. Um, so that's not a question they'd be able to answer. But um, 
Yeah, their experiences often, you know, we find um, really mean they they have great qualities to go on to be amazing adults. And it's, you know, definitely part of what we're trying to do as a charity is to raise awareness that these children aren't looked at as disadvantaged children when they're coming into a setting, but they are enriched by experiences. And, and you know, that can be a great thing. And I guess, is that also true from, from the child's point of view as well? Because I guess, like say, if they're struggling with something or they're unsure of what help they need, it might be because they feel different or because their circumstances have been different. And I guess part of that conversation is to say, but look at the skills you're gaining, look at what this experience is enabling you to do. Um, and that sort of then changes that conversation maybe into a more positive one. Absolutely. And also, to be a bit more flexible um <clears throat> it was only until this year that UCAS um even you know sort of had space for military children to talk about their education you know a personal experience my daughter wasn't able to do a foreign language GCSE because she'd done a bit of French then we got posted so she did a bit of German we got posted she did a bit of Spanish we got posted so therefore she just wasn't at a level to do a foreign language GCSE but obviously it's very unusual for a child not to do a foreign language GCSE so where's the space to talk about that where's the space to talk about why she went to nine different schools and um it's very very common for military children to go to many schools in the UK and abroad um so let's be flexible about talking about that that there isn't one size fits all no child has the same education experience and military children are no different um theirs is just a bit more of a patchwork but talking about that and being flexible about how we sort of visually look at that and giving children a space to talk about why their journey through education has been as it is i think is really valuable and i'm curious how the conversations and the resources change through through ages like say you your daughter was seven was it you said when 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 this started i guess that's a different conversation and a different way of approaching some of the things that you may need to cover than when you're suddenly getting into the teenage years and, and that kind of thing yeah, absolutely. So obviously for primary, um, younger military children, our resources are really based on role play. So we've got lots of, we've got an, an army, a navy, and they, you could do these with your, your whole class. You don't just have to do these, you know, it's about um, representing the military throughout the whole school. Um, you know, circle time scenarios, talking about, you know, the situations, but in an age appropriate way. We've got lots of books for younger children. As they slightly move up, um, the, the resources slightly change. So we've got the wellbeing um, course template, which is a seven week course template. Um, schools get everything they need, the slides, the facilitator notes, the activities, and that's slightly older, um, you know, great for sort of year fives and sixes. It's a bit more talking about emotions. Why might they feel something that they're feeling um, and making the connection that they might have these emotions because mum or dad's away from home or because they're struggling to make friends in a new school um, and uh you know, we've got our Forces Life Club and those kind of sessions. Then as we move to secondary school, obviously the resources really change. Um, so we've got our squad podcast. So that is really giving military children a voice. And it's so interesting. And I was saying recently, um, if you want to get into the mind of a military child and you're intrigued about their experience, squad 
the podcast, go and have a listen. They're kind of 15, 20 minutes, but it is such an eye opener. You know, 16 year old kids talking about having a parent in a war zone when they were younger and how that made them feel and the responsibility that they felt at home um, while their parent was away. And it just gives you a real kind of real insight into what military children do go through and we've worked with educational psychologists to create lesson plans around those squad podcasts as well so that's a great resource and then we've got um we've also got a secondary well-being course template um which is free to access you just apply to us and again that's a six-week course and it really delves a little bit more into mindfulness and mental health and well-being um and we've also got something called the Little Troopers Therapy Programme and we do look to schools for referrals so we can come into schools and run group therapy sessions talking about the emotions of military life um, and there's a one-to-one programme. So yeah, as you say, the resources are very different as they go through the ages um, and that's exactly what we're about age appropriate so different resources for different ages and a lot of those resources have been created by talking to military children talking to educational professionals talking to military families what do you need what would be helpful and then as a charity we do our very best to create what people actually need and want and i'm wondering whether sort of looking forward in terms of 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 the progression of this because both in terms of what you're doing, but I think society at large now, you know, that we're talking about well-being, just communicating generally is something very different now than it was five, ten years ago. And I'm wondering whether the fact that you're able to support so many people from that young age going through, whether their experience actually w- would be different in the same child, like you say, five or ten years ago as well, because actually what they're learning about themselves, what they're learning about their environment, and how they're able to support themselves is going to be different than than when the resource might have hit them, like I say, in those previous years. Yeah, absolutely. And something we always talk about is um, consistency and the consistent thing in a military life, in a military family's life, is that it's change and, um, you know, inconsistency are the only consistency because that is what the life looks like. You don't know what's around the corner. You don't know where you're going to be living in six months. You don't know. Whereas little troopers is a consistent for them. So that is something that we always wanted to create with little troopers at school, a benchmark for all military children in education. So if you live in Kent and then you're posted to North Yorkshire, you know that little troopers at school will still be there and it's the same resources and it's the same consistent support. Um, I think that's really interesting. Obviously, I feel awful for my own child that all these resources are created out of barriers that she um, came up against. So she never benefited from any of them. Um, But yeah, I, I do think that the feedback, you know, we have been around for 12 years now so we definitely do have families that come to us and say you know my child was supported by little troopers all through um their childhood um and i really hope it is a consistent for them and it does bring better outcomes and it does nurture some resilience in them um, and it does mean that they can go off to university feeling like the uni challenges that they've been through have created some amazing qualities for them to go off into adulthood 
And I guess the reality is, is that for, for your daughter, it's that sense she may not have had that opportunity to benefit from them, but she was the catalyst to help, you know, hundreds, thousands of people that have actually benefited from there. And also, like you say, every person is different. Every situation is different. Had it been that she was born after you created them, her life would have yeah. maybe looked different or maybe not. But everyone only has their own circumstances. And like I say, each of the children that you're supporting are going to be different depending on where they've been based, where they're, how they've moved around, whether it's mum or dad that's in the forces or both, like you say. So there's a little bit of that sort of personal, this is how it is for you. But within that as well, you know, there's that hundred percent. Yeah, and and what what exists now is fantastic. You know, there's a whole team behind Little Troopers, many of which are from a military background, many of which have younger military children that are all utilising the resources themselves and saying, you know, how they impact. Obviously, we have feedback from schools and military families and healthcare professionals, and you know having something so you know our aims really are to make things colorful and child-centric and easily accessible and available wherever you live um available to schools you know if someone's listening to this they could benefit the life of a military child tomorrow in their setting and that's exactly what we wanted to create especially with the schools project you know teachers educational professionals are really time strapped and it was about you know you guys don't have the time to be creating these resources and these lesson plans and these courses but if we do that for you and make it as easy as possible then hopefully that's um that's a real instigator to um you know settings creating something up for military families and what feedback have you had from parents i mean my my perception is is that as a parent, I would be thinking, wow, I didn't necessarily know this was going to be um, had such a big effect on my child as maybe I did. Or maybe that, like say you're from a, a military family and you kind of know what it's like as the child and then you've gone into it further on. But I would imagine there's a, sort, a certain amount of comfort to know that I'm in a better place than I thought I could be because all of this is here to help and, and support. So like I say, I would imagine once if you're going away, like I say, and you've been posted somewhere there's a feeling of there's something there as a as a support as a blanket as a way of kind of it's really supporting net. in a way yeah yeah absolutely. absolutely and you know it's it we get feedback from both so obviously the serving parent or parents often mum and dad both serve or both parents serve um so if they're going away, the feedback that we get is absolutely they feel really comforted that they know there's some specific support happening at home. Um, as I said, we've got our Little Troopers Therapy Programme, so we do accept referrals from schools, but also from families. And often we will get referrals from the parent that's serving away from home saying that the child's really struggling and, you know, can they refer them in? So I think, as you say, for the serving parent, it's really important that they know there's a consistent support network back at home for the parent that remains at home while the um, other parents serving away those times can be really fragile for that parent and we often say to schools um, you might see children who are more tired they may be forgetting their homework or their PE kit for example because the parent left at home may have other children they've got the worry that their parents away they're having to do everything on their own but again for them the feedback that we get is that they're really grateful um, that a little troopers exists with resources to empower them at home and a lot of our resources um, are obviously um, great for 
for their different resources. So we've got at home and at school. Uh, but also, uh, the more the Little Troopers at School project progresses and the more schools that sign up, um, we're just getting great feedback that they're just so grateful that schools are asking you know we know we know you've got someone away at home if there's any problems come and talk to us about it if we can help at all let us know in terms of that in classroom support recognizing those behaviors and not necessarily saying oh this these behaviors are because this is a naughty child these behaviors are because this child is really young and doesn't quite understand that the parents away for a long time wants to call their parent doesn't understand that you know there's not those open communication channels <clears throat> and it's just kind of as you say communicating that behaviors might be different in the classroom the parent at the school gate may be a little bit different um but there can often be a reason that to, for that and if we nurture that reason and we provide resources to support that then hopefully that is comforting to all parties and i think also just understanding that everything's going to ebb and flow isn't it because there's a cycle to all of this you know there's a build-up i'm getting there my my dad's being posted, my mum's coming back, whatever it happens to be. And so there's going to be a change in emotion, there's going to be a change in circumstance, like you said. And and to know that you don't know where where you are on that cycle and, and until people have had that communication. And I think that's probably something that schools benefit from um, across the board as well, as well as sort of, sort of from a military family point of view, just being honest about the fact that this is actually happening. Because I think one thing that teachers often feel is that we don't know what's gone on. We have an inkling that maybe this. And child how can is you support something that you don't know about? That's the thing. Exactly. Um, and we've made it really easy. So in Little Troopers at School, all the forms are on our website, easy for you to download. And you know, there's a separation form. There's a moving homes, you know, moving school form. You know, pop it on your newsletter. Let them military families know that these forms are available in reception if you have someone going away for a three-week exercise to wales or you've got someone going away for six months on a submarine either or it's really important to us that we know so we can support your children um and all those forms are very colorful easy um part of what we wanted to do that it's it's not highlighting these families as um you know problem families or anything like that it's just two-way communication to help the child's um, days at school be a little bit easier. Yeah, so it's it's really it's really clear the way that you've explained it, and I think it just sort of people will get that comfort from just knowing that the simplicity of it, as well as like you say that that ability to have that communication and support. Um, is there anything valuable you'd like to share about your school experience or a teacher that you remember? And I guess this would tie in a lot in terms of your experience now looking back in, like I say, as somebody that sort of professional life looked very different, but also having having a spouse that obviously was in a different situation as well. My school life was really settled. So mine's completely different. You know, my best friend now I met at at 11 at secondary school um, I bumped into one of my teachers not that long ago and she remembered me um, even though I'm in my 40s now um, so for me I just I loved school I went to an all-girls school um, in Wiltshire and I went to the same school and had the same friends and had all of that consistency so for me that was valuable that I had that consistency so I guess for me as a parent um, looking back 
when my child's had no consistency with her education, I can see how unsettling that could be as a child because I was very grateful to have, um, you know, I was in one place. I walked to school the same route for all years. You know, my primary school was next to my secondary school. Um, I was really lucky. I loved it. All my teachers were fantastic. Um, and my best friends are still people I went to school with military children aren't afforded that consistency often so um you know my daughter probably can't remember who she was you know in year five with or what school she was at you know so for me um <clears throat> just you know I had a great schooling and I loved it and I think that comes across in terms of when, when you know the difference you know you, you got that black and white of experiencing that in one and then like I say with your daughter not experiencing the same thing that you can you can you can empathize with what you think they're missing but like you say with that they're picking up those skills and they're changing as well so i think understanding both sides of those coins i would imagine really sort of helped in terms of what you're able to start producing yeah and like just, said, when those resources came to yeah seeing the wider picture has been so eye-opening eye for me um you know I just had a very settled life until I joined the army as a teenager. Um, but, you know, my daughter went from infant school to junior school to primary school to middle school to upper school to secondary school. It was just, she's done everything. And I just think, you know, often as educators, we're in our school, we're in our classes, but, you know, just sort of understanding the wider picture of what could be you know there are military children that go to boarding school and they're in the same school for the whole of their um you know their education definitely secondary in a boarding school or you may have the other side of the coin where you've got a military child that goes to every school under the sun abroad in the uk does the tutors three times because they're moving in the same school year a lot there is no one size fits all military children just do face some unique challenges and some find it harder to manage than others and i think to to really kind of get your understanding of that i think any of us that have had parents that have just had um traditional school settings you can remember what it's like going from primary to secondary and even if it's been the smoothest transition in the world there's a difference in in your child in the uh, the being anxious maybe or just the unknown and all of that kind of thing so even in the most settled transition, we know what that feels like often. So being able to recognise that if that's happening on a yearly basis or, like I say, within years and that kind of thing, you can start to really, I guess, put yourself in, in those shoes from that parental point of view. And then also, if you're dealing with that within a school, the same thing in those sort of multiple times. And I think the older the children get, the harder that gets. I remember, as you say, going up to secondary school and oh, which of my friends from primary school are in my tutor group and being kind of really focused on, I need those people because it's all I know. Um, and then, you know, you meet all your friends and all the rest of it. Military children often don't join in September. You know, it might be a mid-year and they're on their own and there's nobody they know. And I remember the hardest transition for my daughter was... Um, she was 14, 15. It was year 10. Um, so, 
she was just joining at the end of year 10. So she'd started GCSEs in another school. We then unexpectedly got posted. So the end of year 10, they didn't do the same GCSE choices. And she's at that age having to walk into a classroom of people, a mixed school. She'd just been to a girls' school, but she's moving to a mixed school. Ah, oh, just imagine being 14, turning 15 and having to go, oh, hi, I'm the new girl. Like, that's hard. Um you know, and I and I just think underst- we can all understand how we'd feel at that age. So to just have a few provisions, you know, at, at that school, there was we'd been there. This, someone was waiting at the door. There was lots of things that made it easier because that school had a military child procedure, I suppose. But just oh, imagine! Be- I can't imagine being that that child. That's just so hard. Yeah, like I say, and I guess you really just have to push those positives, don't you? Like now, as someone who's gone to university and and been able to have that wealth of experience, which you just imagine is going to put her in the the, the best sort of possible frame to, to to do whatever she needs to do with all of that. Like I say, but at the time, yeah, that fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, it's it's really really tricky. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, or indeed, maybe is there some advice you'd give your younger self looking back now? Um, I definitely think listen and I still get that advice now from people I work with is you know just listen it's so important especially in the work that we're in and the community that um, that I'm in is everybody's got a story to tell and everybody's story is really valid um, and just giving someone your ear can just be so important so whether that's me in the workplace whether it's a teacher welcoming a new child into the school giving them five minutes of your undivided attention to listen and say tell me about yourself you know what schools have you been to what's your favorite subject you know what do you like to do what do you not like to do it's just so valuable. It's something I still always in my head, I'm like, listen, you know, because listening's really, really important. And often we hear, but we don't listen. Yeah, I love that. That's really, really great advice. And also, it's the great way of actually meeting everyone where they are at any given moment, isn't it? Whatever their background, whatever their circumstances, whatever they've been through, you know, what, who are you now? And obviously your background is going to have influenced that but you know i want to know what your favorite music is and what you'd like to do and all that kind of thing and then you want you're on an even footing at that moment i think yeah and, I think and we that's we always say children have a patchwork of military life you know every child you know you may get someone in year two that's already been to three schools you know and Every military child has a patchwork and they often want to tell you about their patchwork of military life yeah Great. Listen, yes, I must remember that myself as well. <laughs> he says as a podcaster, <laughs> <laughs> talking probably more than he should be listening. Um, and is there a resource that you'd like to share? And this can be professional or um, personal, but anything from a book, a video, song, um, film? So for me, <clears throat> it would be our squad podcast, purely because, you know, I'm not on it or anything, but it was it was such a special thing to be a part of. And even now, you know, if I'm, you know, trying to think about work, I listen back to them. They're so special. So, 
you know, this was something that we wanted to do for secondary schools. We worked with um, amazing presenters um, and we got 18 military teens together. It's very education centric. So it talks about boarding school. It talks about exams. It talks about living abroad and going to school. But it's so powerful. I remember sitting there listening to them record it and some of the things that the children share, you know, being younger and, you know, dad away and then there's a bomb blast that goes off while they're on the phone and the line cuts down and how that shaped this child to who they are today. Um, Yeah, it's one of the most powerful things I've ever been a part of, talking about friendships and belonging and identity. So that's my resource, I think. Squad, the podcast by Little Troopers, you can listen to it anywhere. Um, And as teachers, I definitely think it's a valuable listen on the way to work in the car or what have you, because it's an eye opener. And if you want to better support your military children, definitely listen to their voices um because they really tell you about what it really is like yeah amazing i'm definitely going to have a listen because i think that's uh i think getting that insight is just incredibly important but i think also just so um sort of i think kind of world confirming in terms of like say you sort of hearing it in a, in a true sense in that friendship sense in that communication sense rather than just like the teacher and me and them people telling you what you think you need to know and all of that kind of stuff it's a completely different world yeah so thank you for that and finally the acronym fire is important on education on fire and by that we mean feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment what's the first thing that strikes you when when you hear that Oh, firstly, I love it. I think that's amazing. The first thing that comes to me is resilience. So I have a really love-hate relationship with the word resilience because a lot of people um, say military children, military spouses. Oh, you're so resilient. Um, But for me, I love to have a discussion about resilience because no one's born resilient. Um, We have to nurture it. We have to learn to be resilient. Um, So... Yeah, I just think resilience is always an interesting conversation for me. And I think uh, don't ever expect anyone to be resilient because it's something that you have to learn and you have to nurture. And sometimes it isn't there. You don't feel resilient. Yeah, just because you're in a certain situation doesn't mean it's going to definitely happen. You need, like I say, either the toolkit or the structure or or the understanding. Yeah, that's such, um, such an important insight. Oh, I can't believe it. it's been a fantastic conversation. I really, really appreciate you sharing all of this. I really hope people will have the opportunity to to dive into it and it can help many people that maybe haven't come across Little Troopers before, but also that can then support them and add an extra layer of understanding and support. So Louise, thank you so much for being here. Um, and just finish, tell people where they need to go to, to get all that information. Yeah, absolutely. It's littletroopers.net. Um, that's our website and you'll see it really easily. Go to at school at the top and all the Little Troopers school resources will present themselves to you i really hope that's helpful and um you know i hope that lots of people can utilize the resources to support their military children thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes i've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, 
with the lighting of a fire.